our reading contains that word hope a number of times. And in the New Testament itself, it's used over 80 times. Sometimes it doesn't quite mean what we think, like sometimes Paul writes to a church, I hope to come to you soon. So if you count up all the hopes that, you know, the, or use a concordance to that, that's where you get that. But um, a lot of times this word hope is, is uh, used in this um, context. Hope is uh, linked to faith. And in uh, the first verse of Hebrews chapter 11, we're told faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. The the New Living Translation puts it this way, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Some of you know that there are uh, lots of verses in the Bible that are uh, well known that speak of hope. Jeremiah 29, we all know, don't we? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen. Isaiah uh, 40, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And in Hebrews 6, we have that, that, that verse, which is um, the basis of a great hymn. We might have sung it this morning. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary beyond the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. This is a vast subject, as that, those verses illustrate. So we're just going to scratch the surface this morning, but I want it to be an encouragement to us and a challenge. So from what we have read this morning, what do we see? Peter was writing here to Christians scattered throughout what we would now call uh, Turkey and Syria today. They weren't having a particularly easy time of it. Um, as verses 6 and 8 indicate. But Peter reminds them that they have reason to praise God in verse 3 and to rejoice in verse 6 because they have this living hope. Now, here we're talking not about something that we sort of, well, I hope that will happen. If we'd have um, spent time with it, more time with the children this morning, we might have asked them what they hoped for as a, a Christmas present. That's not, where, that's not the kind of hope we're talking uh, about. Um, we're talking about this kind of hope that Steve has. He tells me that he's, he's already got a present, but Wendy has taken it away from him and wrapped it up. So you see, he's not hoping to get that because actually he knows it's, it's there. And that's the sort of hope we're talking about. It's a hope that we are certain of. It's uh, a hope that comes from faith in our Savior, from faith in Christ. It's not something that might be, but it's a reality. A reality of that abundant life that only the Lord can give. 
And this stems, as Peter explains, from the Lord because of his death and resurrection. It doesn't happen uh, because of some sort of intellectual acceptance. Uh, It happens because uh, God's Son came to this world, lived here, died, and rose again. Without that, uh, it would just be another form of religion. In fact, that's what they were uh, following uh, in the past. And when Paul writes to the Ephesian uh, Christians, he reminds them of that. He tells them that, remember at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you, who once were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You see, it's sometimes easy to be caught up in, in the kind of the, the Bible study, if you like, you know, in talking about... Uh, And it's a good thing in talking about the scriptures and what we know and and so on, but losing sight of the basics of what we refer to as the gospel message, of the good news. And the hope we're speaking of stems from knowing Jesus, not from simply knowing uh, about him, as I was uh, explaining to the children earlier. So what did we read? Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Is that true? Do you feel, do I feel an inexpressible and glorious joy this morning? We use uh, hymns and songs, don't we, to give expression to, well, I have to because I'm not a poet or anything, you know. Um, we use those and sometimes we, you know, we read the Psalms and they say the things we feel. We use them to express that joy. But, you know, I think the joy that Peter was writing about here was something that's deep within. Of course, it comes out. Well, I hope it does. <laughs> um, uh, mind you, I have met some Christians and I do wonder. But uh, um, it's there, isn't it, really? I'm sure it is. It's it's more about me than them. But in these few words, we see that the Christian faith is to love the Lord and believe in him. Do you remember the other week, those of you that were here? There were a few of us here, you remember? uh, And we were talking about the various miracles. And I reminded you of the Lord's words Uh, to Jairus as the news was brought to him that his daughter had died and the Lord looked at him and said don't be afraid just believe and for me that as I explained then has been a kind of mantra really uh, throughout life so we need to get to know the Lord not simply to know about him and that's where our hope comes from. And this hope is not a promise of an easy life in our present circumstances, 
But that certainty of a future with God and his son Jesus, that, and it's that hope then that sustains us through all the difficulties uh, of life. And so there's a question here in, as um, we speak about this, about this gospel message, about this truth that for those who know and love the Lord, there is this hope, there is this inner certainty and security and confidence and are looking forward to a future. And the question is really simple, really, isn't it? Is that you? Can you claim that? Can I claim that? Or again, is it like, just as I was explaining to the children, is it like looking through the lens of a, uh, the binoculars or a camera? You know, it's something we know about. It may be even something we know a lot about. But we haven't experienced it. It's just uh, like looking at a picture. So we need to look into our hearts and see if we really are uh, the children of hope. We're very blessed and um, privileged, aren't we, to be um, the recipients of this message of hope, to be the subject of God's grace, God's favor towards us. We were reminded last week about the, um, the, the prophets and how the Old Testament pointed towards the Messiah or the, the promised or anointed one coming. And Peter, here in this reading, reminds them again that the, the prophets, they were given insights and visions, and it wasn't for them. It was for a future day. It was for, the, uh, for Peter's readers and hearers. It was for us today. And uh, so we're so privileged to be the recipients of God's grace. But you know, with privilege comes responsibility. And Peter goes on to remind them that as the children of hope, they have to live in a particular way. I love this idea of our minds being alert or ready for action. It says in the Good News uh, Bible, which as you know is a particular favorite of mine, here is a conscious act, a conscious decision to live out that hope by living holy lives, by not being part of this world and adopting its standards and ways. We're reminded that the cost of our salvation was the sacrificial, atoning death of Jesus. We've been redeemed. Redeemed, what's that mean? Well, the people to whom Peter was writing would have understood it very well because they would have understood how people were bought and sold. Slavery was a common thing. It exists today, apparently. Of course it does, sadly. But in those days, it was an everyday uh, part of life. And so they would have understood the idea of buying and selling. And we've been bought. God has purchased us for himself. But to do that, there was a price. And we're reminded of that. We once were slaves, slaves to sin and the way of this world. But God has brought us back, back from a life of slavery to a life of freedom, a life of hope. We're born again. That's a Bible expression, you know. It wasn't something thought up by an American evangelist 
born again is a Bible expression. And it means just that. Born, born out of slavery into freedom. Born out of darkness into light. I'm conscious. Oh, we're not doing too badly. Good. I will share with you. I've got a little note here. It says, illustration from Hosea, if time. Well, I'm going to give it to you because I think it's lovely. This story moves me. Do you remember the story of Hosea? Go and look at it. Hosea, God told Hosea to go and marry a certain type of woman. A not very nice woman. A loose woman. I know that's a television program. I've never watched it. But I know about it. An immoral woman. And he marries her. Now I'm going to make a confession. I can't remember her name. But anyway, he marries her. And she proves to be true to form, as it were. And she commits adultery. She has relations with other men. And she gets to such a pass that she finds herself in the slave market. And God says to Hosea, go and buy your wife back. And Hosea goes and buys his wife who's been ruined by sin. Gomer, that's right, yeah. Who's been ruined by sin. Hosea goes and commits what I see an act of ultimate obedience and love and buys his wife back. And that story is recorded as an illustration for us of what God has done for us. Because there's nothing good or lovely about me. I can't speak for you. I, I think you're all wonderful. But about me, there is nothing good or lovely. In fact, I, I, I know the real awful things about me. And so does God. But he sent his son to die. And there's an old hymn, and it says something like, teach me what it meaneth. Teach me that if none other but I had sinned, Jesus still would have died. I can't remember the words, but that's the sentiment of the hymn. And that's the truth of it. So, that puts a responsibility on us, doesn't it? If God has gone to those lengths, and that's what Peter was saying to these people, you were, you were brought back from this sinful life, not in the world sense. When he says, when we read about corruptible and incorruptible, because he... he he was speaking of God and of Jesus. And it's Jesus' death and sacrifice that gives us this hope and this, and this life. There's an old hymn that uh, puts it like this. It says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. No merit of my own I claim but holy trust in Jesus' name. You know that, don't you? We could have sung it today. It's a lovely old hymn. So we're exhorted 
because of what God has done for us, to live holy lives, not to be contaminated by the world around us. You know, here we haven't got any specifics. There's no, don't do that. There's no, avoid that. There's no, be like this. The scriptures give us plenty of guidance. We know that. We, we, we can't pretend that we're in doubt as to what the Lord requires of us. But there is one thing that jumps out from this page. And in verse 22, we read this. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. There are two parts to this, as I see it. Firstly, there's the evidence of Christ in us. The evidence of the Holy Spirit. So that you have sincere love for each other. Do you notice? That's a consequence. It's not something you choose to do. That's a consequence of now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. So that you have sincere love for each other. The act of accepting the Lord's sacrifice on your behalf, the act of turning in true repentance to him, that he becomes your saviour and gives you this living hope that we speak of, the consequence of that is that you have sincere love for each other. Did you realise that? So that's kind of like a, a, a litmus paper test, as it were. We should all have, if we are those that know and love the Lord, sincere love for each other. The two things are linked. They can't be separated. Love for God equals love for others. Then he says, love one another deeply from the heart. Now it goes deeper. Now it goes, I believe, perhaps deeper than sometimes we are able to go. I think now we're talking about loving everyone regardless. Regardless of their shortcomings as we might perceive them. Regardless of what it might cost. Regardless of whether they think the same way as us. So this is a specific. So why in all of this chapter does Peter uh, pick upon this particular specific? Let me remind you, Christian, that you've been born again, born of God. We've thought about that, haven't we? Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. What is God's very nature? What does John tell us? God is love. Therefore, if we are born of God, then surely we take on his nature. And we should be marked out as loving people. What did the Lord say to the disciples? Love one another. By this shall all men know you're my disciples. It's like a badge. It's a a sign. It's what people should see in us. So, 
I do hope that together this morning we have seen that the source of our hope is the Lord himself, our Savior, as he gave himself for us. I want to um, just come out of that chapter for a moment and go into chapter 3 of the same letter of Peter. In verse uh, 5 he says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So, have you been encouraged this morning to reflect upon, to rehearse with me? Because that's what we've done. It's not not me telling you things you couldn't read and understand for yourself. It's us rehearsing together. You know, I think that is what's important about preaching is that we engage together with God's word and share together and reflect together and rehearse together the wonders of our God and Savior and are challenged by what we read. So are we ready, as we've done that this morning, to respond with those holy lives that demonstrate his love by our love. Are we ready to to witness for him as the opportunity arises?